Welcome to another episode of Pristine Conversations. In today's conversation, we are talking about women entrepreneurship on the next normal, green beauty revolution, carbon neutral beauty, and the environmental impacts of the beauty industry. This is a big topic, but with the rise of conscious consumerism, it's one that we need to be talking about as brands and as consumers. Today, I'm excited, privileged, and honored to have this conversation with Lorraine, a world-renowned leader in the beauty industry and inspiration to women and to humanity. Lorraine Dahlmeyer is the award-winning CEO of Formula Botanica, the online organic cosmetic formulation and business school, which has trained over 10,000 organic cosmetic formulators and indie beauty entrepreneurs in 164 countries. Through their accredited online courses, Formula Botanica has seen thousands of its graduates launch indie beauty brands, many of which are now stocked by retailers globally, have won awards and received rave reviews from their customers. The school is also a green beauty publishing platform and welcomes over hundreds of thousands of monthly readers to its popular blog and podcast. A biologist and chartered environmentalist by training, Lauren loves digital marketing and systemizing business growth which led to her winning the Digital Achiever of the Year Award from Google and Cosmetic Executive Woman. Prior to growing Formula Botanica from a small startup to a multi-million pound teaching institution and publishing platform in the UK, Lauren worked and lived in the USA, Netherlands, Russia, and Australia. She's now based in Devon, where she lives with her partner and two sons. Before we start, I want to talk a little bit about Pristine, which is exclusively available from my brand, Selena Swiss Organic, a global clean beauty, health and wellness company. Are you ready to harness the nature and power of nature using a minimalist approach? Well, I recognized for decades a cosmic void in the cosmetic industry for 100% organic, natural, sustainable and clean beauty products. So I curated a luxurious high quality organic skincare called Pristine. Born in Switzerland, Pristine is a fusion of the warmth of the Caribbean, the energy of New York City, and the pureness of the Swiss Alpine. And my love, the divine beauty and the natural healing benefits in nature. Pristine is a luxurious skincare nutrition. It's waterless, preservative and synthetic free, and made from highly potent and bioactive seeds, which synergistically works to deliver optimal benefit for each skin type and delivers four times more hydrating and anti-aging power than most expensive creams. Pristine is rejuvenating, moisturizing, smells divine, and elevates your senses. Our unique packaging are made of molten wood and is harvested from sustainably managed forests, and the binders are biodegradable. Pristine embraces a holistic approach to skincare where ageless beauty and sustainable earth begins. To find out more, or order your own pristine, do visit selenaswissorganic.com or check the link in the episode description and see which formula would be best suited for your unique skin. You will get an exclusive 15% off using the code PODCAST15 when you order for just being my listener here today. A warm welcome to Pristine Conversations, Lauren. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. 
Great. We've met before and I'm really happy to have you on this platform today. So you have had such an immense um, background and your journey into this industry has been amazing and an inspiration to all. (laughs) Give us a quick overview of how you came about to be the owner and CEO of Formula Botanica. So I guess this all stems back to uh, when I was on maternity leave 10 years ago. Amazingly, my eldest son turns 10 next week. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted to start my own business because I didn't want to be stuck in my nine to five job anymore. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to start my own natural skincare brand. And I thought, yeah, I'm a biologist by training. I thought I just need to learn how to do this. So I bought a couple of books and I wasn't really getting where I needed to. And then I thought, I wonder if there's an online course for this. And online courses were really in their infancy at this point, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found one and I took it and it was good. I really enjoyed it. And I was making my own lotions and potions at home. And I thought, yeah, this is great. I'm going to start my own natural skincare business. And at that point, I had another baby. And I thought to myself, well, now I have a toddler and a newborn and a really small (laughs) house. (laughs) I don't quite know how I'm going to start a skincare business right at this moment. Um, And then the opportunity arose for me to buy and take over Formula Botanica, the school I trained with. Mm-hmm. And I could see how much it had already changed my life because I had uh, I had a following already. I was blogging about cosmetic ingredients. People were, were following me online. And I could see that this was going to be life-changing for a lot of people out there. And I saw just how powerful it was. So I took over the school at that point. So this was back in 2013, 2014. I bought Formula Botanica with my baby and my toddler and my legal team, which was quite an interesting experience in itself. And it was supposed to be just a small side hustle for me, really. Something I would teach online for an hour a day. That's how it was very much sold to me. And, you know, it would just be something fun that would bring in a supplementary income for me and I could help some people with it and it would stay really small. But it didn't stay really small because where we are today is uh, we're now six and a half years on since I bought the school and I no longer have babies and toddlers anymore. My children are uh, Mm -hmm. are seven and 10 and they're at school. And I now have a a multi-million dollar platform um, education institution and publishing platform, I should say as well, with over 10,000 students in 164 countries worldwide. So it's been quite a roller coaster getting here and incredibly rewarding, incredibly exciting. And we are now the leading online institution for teaching people how to learn how to formulate their own organic skincare or hair care and start their own indie beauty brand. Wow, this is simply incredible. And I'm really proud to be part of your institute as well. That's where I was trained. (laughs) Really amazing. And so as as a female entrepreneur, Tell us about your hurdles, you know, in getting there and, you know, what steps did you take? You know, you, you enter into this institute at first and it was really small. It was just like a side hustle. What are some of the critical things that you did to, to shift, you know, shift your paradigm in order to become the entrepreneur, female entrepreneur? I had to really think about what I was trying to achieve with it up front. And for me, at that point, my my children were so young, I wanted to create something that would create a better future for them and create mm-hmm. a better future for, for my partner and myself. And I wanted to get out of my day job, most importantly. Yeah. 
I have big issues with authority. (laughs) (laughs) We all do. (laughs) I just, yeah, I have them maybe more than most. I don't like working for other people. And I had really good jobs before I took over Formula Botanica. You know, I was Mm -hmm. paid well. I was looked after well. I traveled the world. I managed Mm -hmm. million dollar projects. I had really high, you know, high responsibility positions, but I was still being kept back held back. I still wasn't being allowed to to shine as much as I want and to be given the amount of responsibility that I craved. And I found that incredibly frustrating. And I remember when I came back from maternity leave the second time, I took Mm -hmm. a year with both my children. I had nothing to do at work when I came back. They literally put me in the attic at work and gave me nothing. And I know, yeah, I'm not the sort of person who can sit there and do nothing. I need to be contributing. And I kept going to them saying, I need work. I have nothing to do. Give me something to do. And I kept repeating it, but nothing happened. And I thought, I have to get out of this and I have to create something for myself so that I am in charge. And I did. And I guess I've I've had to jump over many, many different hurdles, but it's been a, a process of building the business and building the platform bit by bit mm-hmm. over a long-term period and just showing up every day yeah. And dealing with lots of different issues every single day and just, yeah, creating it from scratch, really. Because when I took over Formula Botanica, it it really was very unfinished. The platform didn't work properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing wasn't set up. The website was unfinished. Every single thing had to be redone. But I knew that when I bought it. So I went in with my eyes wide open. And, yeah, I've I feel very... Um, accomplished with with where we've got to today because I have had the opportunity to to build it from scratch effectively. Wow, that's amazing. So did you hire a team of like marketing, advertising, social media, or did you do do it all on your own? In the beginning, I didn't hire a team because obviously, you know, when you have a small business, you don't necessarily want to outsource much to start with. Yeah. Um, The first person I hired actually was our IT manager, Suresh, Mm -hmm. who's been with me for 10 years now, actually. Um, He's done an amazing job, I must say. Well, he just takes care of our websites and all the tech issues and all the migrations that we've done. He's been there by my side the whole way through. And then the next step was I realized that something I really enjoyed was marketing. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to be doing that. So I hired our education team. Mm -hmm. by bit by bit so I hired people who could come and teach the courses because I realized I enjoyed actually selling the courses more than teaching them which is not something I've talked about a lot publicly actually but I love digital marketing like love it so um, it's only I only gave up running the social media channels for Formula Botanica four months ago (laughs) oh wow (laughs) so up until that point it was all me so yeah, yeah I, for me, um, I outsourced the education component first and then started to bring on board sort of more operating aspects. So then I outsourced the whole um, student support and customer support component too, because you can't run a business when you're still answering all the emails at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, <laughs> I totally can relate to that because what I try to do with my business as well in the holistic health world and beauty business. So I, I can relate to that. And when you try to do everything at once, you sort of like burn out. Yeah, exactly. And in the beginning, yeah. you know, I was sat there answering all the customer support emails, but now yeah. we have mm-hmm. 10 agents and a help desk and we're wow. answering 4,000, 5,000 tickets a month. Wow. So, so yeah. this is all, this is outsource. This is outsource. No, no, I have a team. Okay. They're all part of the okay. Botanica team. They're part of, of yeah, okay. the daily operations. Okay. So how, um, so how, how big is your team right now? 
at the moment it's about 23 and we are filling another five or six vacancies in the coming few months actually so I've just actually hired a recruitment coordinator who starts with me next week and we'll be um, yeah we'll be trying to fill those final positions so that we can get up to about a staff of 30. Oh fantastic wow so you're really out there now to to just grow and, and speak and you know connect the world out there to yeah, ensure that yeah. the message that the messages get you know heard <laughs> well when we have our, our six new employees hopefully i'll be able to do more of that <laughs> yeah that, that's amazing that's really what we need so you've grown from 100 to 10,000. so yeah. that's about uh, i've read in europe and on so many publications i can't keep up right now so it's, i think i read 65 percent growth rate in 2020 during COVID 19 this yeah. is massive. This is massive because people yeah. are struggling. People are struggling out there. They're unemployed. A business like crash. Everything is happening, and the whole world is falling apart. Tell us about this. What has changed? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a really tough time for a lot of people out there. And I personally had expected us to see similar downturns. I wasn't expecting the the growth that we've seen. Actually, it came as a complete shock to me. And the first thing I did when when COVID nineteen really started to to take over and and we saw the lockdown happening everywhere was I, I said to my team, you know, everything's safe. Your job is safe. No one has to take a pay cut. We don't have to get rid of anyone. Everyone's got a job here, and we're good because we have a lot of resources to fall back on. So I had not expected to see massive growth. But what actually happened was that more people were at home and. I think a lot of people had the rug pulled out from under them and thought, I need to create something for myself. I need to create my own business. And uh, they came to us to do that. Amazingly so. So yeah, we've seen 65% growth in the last six months, which has just been incredible. And uh, yeah, as you said, we just enrolled uh, last week, our 10,000th student, which is insane, to be honest. It's just this enormous community of the most amazing people worldwide who who all work together and lift each other up and they all want to learn how to formulate organic skincare and hair care and use our courses to do that. And I feel very privileged that we can play a role in, in their journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's fantastic. Not only just an entrepreneur, but to see the benefits of plant-based ingredients and, and how it improves their, their lives and you know overall on optimal health. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just being an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why people come and formulate to start with because they yeah. love those botanical ingredients and they yeah. they really speak to them. And it's very exciting when you first get started as a formulator and you've got your whole yeah. table covered in colorful carrier oils and fragrant botanicals yeah. and yes. all sorts of different potent extracts. And you realize that, yes, you can also make those products that you see in the shop very simply and, and effectively. And it's great fun in the process. That's fantastic. I, I totally enjoy doing it myself at home <laughs> and in the lab as well. So I did read on, on some of the research on you. You said you did not, you had no one to fund you. Uh, you did it all by yourself. And yeah. this year you've, you're going to hit 4 million in revenue. This is uh, broadcasted out there. So yeah. tell us about this. You, you, you started this on your own. Yeah, I started this on my own. We haven't needed any investment funding because we've grown organically. And yeah, it has been a very exciting roller coaster, as I said earlier, of watching this growth happen. And and every year we sort of think, well, we, you know, we surely can't get much bigger than this. And then you realize we can. And 
there are still so many things I want to do with Formula Botanica that I haven't even had the opportunity to, to get started on yet. You know, I want us to run accelerators and incubators. I want us to have merchandise shops. Mm -hmm. I want a whole team that travels around the world teaching live workshops to people in, you know, the main countries where we teach. I want yeah. us to do, to collaborate with formal education institutions. I, there is so much I want us to work on. And then when you realize that, I see that we're only really scratching the surface of where this could go. Yeah. Because ultimately, anyone can formulate. Mm -hmm. Much like anyone can cook, anyone can formulate. Yeah. And I would like us to get to the stage that people think, oh, I need a new lotion. You know what? I'll make my own. Exactly. I want, I want to be the institution that helps them do that. So yeah, 4 million in revenue this year, which I'm incredibly proud of. And, and we're just growing, growing, growing. There is still so much more potential. It's so impressive. <laughs> and we're so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> and so going forward, you know, it's a woman, in, a woman entrepreneur. I want to touch a bit on the subject of money mm -hmm. and Women, as we know, many don't want to step out of their comfort zone. A lot of us, um, we are in marriages or relationships and we feel that, you know, if we step out something, you know, we wouldn't be that comfortable to run this business on our own. What advice would you give, you know, a woman to stay financially, you know, driven and focused and to have financial well-being as a part of the key areas on the circle of life? That's a great question and a really important one. I've I've come across a lot of women predominantly over the last six years who do really mm -hmm. struggle with this concept of making money. And I've had people say to me, you know, I, I'm going to put all my profits back into a charity or mm -hmm. I'm happy to give away equity in my business straight away. Lots of decisions where they're effectively giving away money because it makes them feel uncomfortable in some way. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never felt that way, I have to say up front. I have mm -hmm. no money mindset issues. I, I don't have a problem making money. In fact, I really enjoy it. And um, a lot of that stems from the fact that my parents were entrepreneurs and I watched them start their own business in our spare room when I was eight years old and do very well with it. And their approach always was, we want to retire young because why wouldn't we? We want to go and enjoy life and not have to work constantly for other people. So I grew up with that mindset and I still have that mindset myself. You know, I, I want us to have a financially sustainable and successful business. And I think if you're struggling with this concept of money, uh, it's a hard one because, of course, I've never grown up with these issues mm -hmm. around it. I think the best thing you can do is to start to think about or visualize what your life could look like if you were financially yeah. independent. Exactly. Now, I, I have never, ever relied on anyone else for money. And I would never want to either. It's just not something in my DNA that I think I could handle. So even if you know my partner and I split up, which I, I hope will never happen, you know, I would always expect to be financially independent. And similarly, actually, he retired. We retired him a couple of years ago. He doesn't have to work anymore because the business has done so well. He doesn't have those issues either. He's quite happily <laughs> happy to go along with, with everything that's going on. But I think that the most important thing is to just visualize what your life could be like if you were financially independent and realize that money isn't a scary thing. It's, it doesn't bring you happiness, but it can make your life a lot easier. And yeah, I think everyone should aim for financial independence and financial sustainability. 
Yeah, know that's important. Yeah. Financial sustainability is a really important part of running a business because if your business isn't financially sustainable, you won't be in business in two to three years' time. And yeah, that's not sustainable either. So it's a really yeah. important part of running a business. Yeah, exactly. So even when your formulators come into the school, I mean, that's part of your program as well. You teach them how to become financially savvy, (laughs) creating their own business plan. I mean, I have clients on my end. I I combine the financial well-being in my business with the the health and the beauty. So financial well-being is a must because as you say, you create, you visualize. So you create your own vision board for the future, whether it's in 10 years or five years, one year, whatever it is. And then you can actually see yourself in the middle and all the different things, the elements that will help you to become and grow and financially, become financially independent, don't depend on anybody else. But yeah. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. You've only got yourself to fall back on. So yeah. create a plan for being able to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a combination, a business plan, vision board, everything combined. Yep. That's, thanks for that information too. So uh, with regards to Indie Beauty, okay, we switching back now to the beauty side of the business. Indie beauty has been the word, indie. It's a bit confusing for a lot of people. They're like, okay, what is indie beauty? Can you explain, uh, explore this area a bit, Carlos? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't think there is a, a clear definition for it yet. And I've seen lots of people come up with different definitions, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. I agree with all of them. I actually explored this in a podcast recently as well, because we, we host our, um, I host our Green Beauty Conversations podcast. And yeah. Um, It's very easy to say indie beauty just means independently owned, but I think it means more than that. I think it also depends on how you work with your suppliers, how you work with your customers, how you work with your ingredients, Mm -hmm. um, and, and how you effectively bring all of that together to create a business that directly connects with your customer, um, through your own personal story, because you know, you can look at big companies like um, like Drunk Elephant, which was sold last year to Shiseido for $840 million. Yeah. And, you know, that was an indie beauty brand. Or was it? I don't know. And that's the, that's the thing I, I want to explore a bit more with the whole industry because it's mm-hmm. it's not a clear definition. So I think very much that indie beauty is is the type of beauty that allows you to connect with the founder's story, but also allows that brand to really understand and deeply connect with their own supply chain and their own ingredients. So what is the difference between clean and green beauty? There's been a lot of talk on this and a lot of people are a bit confused. There are lots of blogs. Some bloggers are like knocking it and some are like, oh, there's a lot on greenwashing as well. Can you explain and explore this area? Yes. So for me, let's start with green beauty, because I think that's the easiest one. For me, green beauty very much signifies sustainable beauty and beauty that does the right thing by the environment. So I think that one's quite easy. (laughs) But I think clean beauty beauty is a whole different beast. And I don't actually agree with the definitions of clean beauty that are out there at all. Because of course, when you talk about clean beauty, you're implicitly saying that everything else is dirty beauty. Yeah. And my philosophy at Formula Botanica has always been that we don't we don't really even acknowledge synthetic ingredients. We don't work with them. They're out there in the world, they're doing something, and we don't get too wound up about it. For me, clean beauty means that your products are clean in terms of they're transparent about how they're made and what mm-hmm. you put in them. 
they're clean in terms of how you treat the environment. So I suppose in that respect, they're also green. They're clean in terms of how you deal with the people in your business and around your business and, you know, your stakeholders, your customers, everyone who's involved, also those people in the supply chain. Yes. And they're, they're also, that beauty is also clean in terms of how it's made, in terms of its hygiene. And I think clean beauty is safe beauty because it has to be hygienic and properly made. And that's a definition you don't often hear, but if you go to the thesaurus and you type in clean, then mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the words that will come out of it is hygienic and safe. So I think that is a big component of it as well. Yeah. So I prefer to look at the angles of clean rather than the negative connotations of what isn't clean when right. you put those definitions together. Uh, there's another approach, and I have read many like blogs as well on it, um, toxic ingredients in your beauty care watch out for the toxic ingredients is that something that should be you know we should be aware of or is that the that should be used on, on products um toxic. we don't we don't use the word toxic or toxin unless we are genuinely talking about toxins in our training programs or in any of our marketing materials because i feel that it's very fear-based marketing when you use those terms Yeah. Furthermore, anything can be a toxin. It depends on the uh, the exposure and the dose. Mm -hmm. um, water can be a toxin if you drink too much of it. If you have a tiny amount of snake venom, that can be a toxin too. So yeah. it, I find that the word is overused and is not scientifically correct in a lot of situations, which is why we don't go with it. Because as a trained scientist, I wouldn't feel right coming out with something that is effectively pseudoscience yeah. and unfortunately a lot of the information out there on the internet is informed by pseudoscience which is why our philosophy has always very much been we focus on the positives of using botanicals sustainably mm -hmm. and that's really all we talk about and I find that approaching it from a feeling of positivity brings a lot more people to us because they would much rather have someone tell them about the goodness of working with some of these ingredients than fear-mongering effectively about things that yeah. haven't necessarily been scientifically proven. Yes, that's correct. There is also a lot on the difference between organic and natural. What is organic? What is natural? Because there, there is a fine line between the two. Yeah. A lot of labels and products, many companies, multi multinational companies, beauty companies, they brand it and put a big label. This is a natural product. And When you read a label on the back, you can't even pronounce the names of those ingredients and they're totally synthetic. <laughs> What would you, how would you define these two? I mean, our audience here, I'm sure would want to identify, you know, they go to the store right now, organic, natural. There yeah. is a bit of subliminal advertising in a way. Let's start with organic. Organic generally means that you've been organically certified and that the ingredients in your formulation have been produced to organic standards. And that can mean different things in different countries. Most countries do still, well, I think all countries actually, permit certain pesticides in their organic farming. This always comes mm -hmm. as a shock to a lot of people. There are about, I think, about 10 pesticides allowed here in the UK, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, but they're very different to the ones used in non-organic farming. And they're, they're grown under this umbrella concept of environmental stewardship. 
So when you see a product that has been organically certified, it means that the ingredients in that product and the packaging and the supply chain and everything to do with that product has been produced to organic standards and has been certified by um, an external body. So that one, I think, is, is very simple to grasp. And that's also why we call ourselves the Organic Cosmetic Science or Cosmetic Formulation School because there's no ambiguity about the word organic. In terms of natural, natural can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And we tend to break it down into three different categories. So you can have an ingredient that's purely natural, where you just effectively pick it off a tree and it undergoes physical processing. There are lots of plant oils that can be produced this way, uh, certain butters. Then you've got naturally derived ingredients mm -hmm. that come from nature and that have undergone some chemical processing to change the actual nature of the, chemic, the chemical itself. So mm -hmm. think of, for instance, an essential oil that isn't purely natural because it's been distilled, hasn't undergone chemical processing, but it has, it has changed in, 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 in its final um, output. And there are many other ingredients that also fall into this category, such as uh, functional ingredients that you see in your cosmetics, the emulsifiers, the surfactants, the preservatives, the chelators, the solubilizers. They're the ingredients that effectively give your product its stability and make it foam or turn it into a cream or make sure that it's safe on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And then you've got nature identical ingredients, which are chemically the same as the ones that you can find in nature, but they have been synthesized in a lab. It is chemically exactly the same. There is no difference apart from the origin of the material itself. Some people will say, I won't use that type of ingredient or I won't use naturally derived ingredients. And that's absolutely fine. It is entirely up to you as to what you choose. There are, of course, limitations then. So you probably wouldn't be able to use water-based ingredients or water-based mm. products like shampoos or conditioners or, or emulsions and lotions if you were rejecting essentially nature-identical or natural, uh, naturally-derived ingredients. But yeah, there are lots of different ways of approaching it. Now, coming to the, the final point which you made was when you go into the shop and you have a look at a, a lot of the ingredients and products that are out there, um, there is a lot of greenwashing that goes on. Mm -hmm. And that's because there is no standard definition of what natural means. And based on what I just talked about, you can see why that, why that is. Exactly. Um, there are some certification bodies like Natru, for instance, who do certify to natural standards and they have their own definitions. But generally, because there is no such definition, it means that any company can basically claim it's natural and no one's really going to call them up on it. The only exception to that is in the US, I've seen a few um, lawsuits already against companies for claiming they were 100% natural or all natural. And um, they there is a slightly more litigious society, I think, in the US, which has led to some people um, taking some of these companies to court and getting them to change their, um, their claims on their packaging. So yeah, it's a, a very complex topic, as you can tell. Um, yes, of course. Further on our, our podcast yeah. as well. And there is no simple answer, which is why I think generally organic is probably the better standard to go for. Yeah, it is a complex situation there. So green beauty has gone mainstream. Would you, is that correct to say? Not quite. I think we're getting there. But I mean, the mainstream beauty industry is absolutely vast. And they themselves mm -hmm. are starting to see that 
consumers want natural, but also mm-hmm. that they want sustainable. I think green and clean and, and natural beauty and indie beauty still only make up a fraction of the overall beauty industry. Yeah. I think we are much, much bigger than we were several years ago. And there haven't really been any clear statistics on the percentage of, of the industry that indie beauty makes up. But I would quite comfortably say that it's at least doubled if not quadrupled in the last 10 years because it, there's been such exciting growth in this sector and it's been phenomenal to watch yeah I'm, I'm i have seen it i mean i've been i mean i've seen you at the global cosmetic trade show and that's where we met as well in person yeah. and you were at the indie beauty trail and there were so many you know it, it was totally new and I thought it, it was an amazing trail to to have the exposure of the green beauty to the public. And now it's as COVID is here. We it was supposed to happen this year as well, and now it didn't. So yeah. we hope that you know going forward there'll be more exposure, and hopefully it goes mainstream. Yeah, I think so, because I used to go to trade shows and talk to people about what I did, and they would sort of laugh at me and almost chase me off their stand. Yeah. And now people are like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. How can I talk to your students? So <laughs> the attitudes have changed incredibly in the last five years. And that's a reflection of the fact that people now take naturals and indie seriously, which is so exciting to see. And it gives so many opportunities to some of these small brands out there. So I think it's wonderful. So COVID has changed uh, many people's lives and allowed them to do things differently, to bend the reality and create the next normal for themselves so I realized that one of what I have noticed in my business as well in the beauty business many people took the opportunity during this time to follow their passion and live their true purpose in life how has it uh, impacted on your trainers your new students coming in now you hit the 10,000 mark what is the mindset of your students coming into you know, your institute, what, are, what how, how are they like thinking? What's their thinking for the future? I think a lot of them from what I've seen are saying, this is my time. I think a lot of them have had a bit of a wake up call and have said, it's now or never, I've got to do this. Because although we're a formulation school, almost everyone who trains with us still wants to start an indie beauty brand. Because once you start to realize how much fun it is to make these formulations for yourself, you then start to think, well, hang on a minute, I want to share this with the world. So it's a very natural next step. But yeah, I think a lot of them, as I said earlier, have had the rug pulled out from under them and have said, I have always wanted to do this and now I'm going to do it. This has been my big wake up call. And I genuinely wish this for all of them. Now, yeah. all of, you know, everyone approaches the, the business that they set up differently and some of them want to stay really small and others are aiming for global domination. So we're going to see a whole range of different businesses come out of our latest intake. And I'm really excited for them. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. There is a difference between the mainstream beauty right now and the indie beauty. So how can you, how can consumers, you know, you can... The consumers walking into the store, they are hooked on, you know, the famous brands or, you know, they're loyal to certain brands. How can they really shift their, you know, their mindset towards indie brands? How can you 
help them to? I think the the first thing they have to do is realize that you don't have to stick with the same beauty product your whole life. I know it's very easy to think I've been using this. I like this. I'm going to stick with it. But I would encourage people just like with every other aspect of their life to sometimes try something new. And there are so many exciting products out there and so many exciting brands that it is almost impossible not to connect with an indie beauty brand now. And of course, the one big difference that indie has over mainstream is that there's an individual stood behind that business who you can connect with. You can get to know them. You can find out a bit more about them. And once you learn their story, you start to get hooked in and you think, oh, I really like this person. They stand for something I believe in. I want to support them. I want to buy from them. And, you know, I've got lots of brands like that that I support in many different sectors. Yeah. And it's exciting. So I think if you've been stuck with the same giant multinational for many years in terms of your beauty products, Mm -hmm. maybe try and add in something new occasionally. And before you know it, you'll start to think, oh, I want to try this product. I want to try that new brand. And you might find that actually changing isn't quite as scary as you think. Now, that's the case with skincare. I don't see that happening quite as much yet with hair care. So we teach organic hair care formulation. Mm -hmm. And I would say that changing people's hearts and minds on hair care is going to be a lot harder than skincare just because skincare is is so ubiquitous and people are much more inclined to try a new cleanser or a new lotion than they are to try a new shampoo and and the same goes for makeup i think there are massive opportunities out there and yeah i think just connect with the people behind the indie brands and before you know it you'll be a, a an avid supporter of indies and naturals yeah interesting as you also mentioned the, the colored cost Colored cosmetics, that's another big part of the beauty industry. And from the research and even the, the shift in during COVID, there has been seismic shift and actually a downwards a spiral in you know the purchasing of cosmetics because people want to become more natural mm-hmm. in their beauty routine. So where do you see the cosmetic are you also training your students in cosmetics as well, colored cosmetics? Not yet, but we've been doing R&D on color cosmetics, using yeah. natural and botanical ingredients for three years now. And I'll tell you, honestly, it's not easy. But okay. it's, yeah, it's something we're getting there. We really are. And I'm hopeful that next year or hopefully at least next year, but possibly the year beyond, we'll be releasing our first online training course in how to make organic makeup. So we've that already cracked, be. yeah, we've cracked um, lip products and eye products and cheek products. We're still working on foundations and, and mascaras and eye pencils, but we're getting there. And that is yeah. such a need, there is such a need for it. I'm, a make, I'm also a makeup artist and there is so difficult to find organic, a full range for all the skin types, nuances to create, you know, the best, you know, create this beautiful look natural with all organic. Imagine using organic skincare and organic cosmetic. That would be the perfect combination to create, you know, beauty, natural beauty and being that's sustainable. So this is something I'm sure our audience would be looking forward to. Yes. And me, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait as well. I'm looking forward to that. So let's talk a bit about the environment. You're an environmentalist and you have done studies there and you're such a 
an advocate for sustainability and reducing the carbon footprints. So carbon neutral beauty and how does it impact the beauty industry? This is such a big topic and especially the rise in conscious consumerism. It is something that we need to be talking about as brands and as consumers. So would you like to explore in this area for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I worked as an environmental scientist for 12 years before I took over Formula Botanica and I worked in renewable energy and I worked all over the world. And I have been waiting for the opportunity to talk about sustainability, environmental management, environmental conservation in the beauty industry for a long time. And Mm -hmm. that time has finally come and I can't tell you how excited I am about it. I think the beauty industry has a long way to go. So I work, I've worked in um, many different parts of the world. I've mainly worked in the energy industry before this. And I can tell you that I think the beauty industry is one of the most unsustainable industries I've seen. There is this rampant consumerism and people are just trying to consume more and more and more products all the time. And what I think, what I hope for indie beauty is that we'll start to bring this slow, mindful beauty into the industry with mm-hmm. products that are multi-purpose, that are long-lasting, and that encourage lower consumption. And I think indie beauty is really well-placed to do that because, of course, the people behind these indie brands are not necessarily the sorts of people who want to achieve infinite economic growth with mm-hmm. finite resources, which is what the mainstream is trying to do. Yeah. So I want to see the beauty industry really step it up. Now, saying that, I've seen a lot of the big multinationals make some very interesting statements in the last few weeks, even. Uh, L'Oreal came out with their sustainability plan for 2030, and it was very ambitious, and I thought it sounded great. And normally, I'm not a big fan of the big multinationals, but I think they're doing some great work in terms of sustainability. And I want to see those same attitudes come out of the indie sector. Because sustainability is not easy. It's not something you can achieve overnight. And it requires a mindset shift that all brand owners, regardless of what sector they operate in, should embrace. Yeah, certainly. I I did embrace it in the very early stages of my formulations. And my first product actually is a zero-waste biodegradable. So you can actually take the container after using the product and drop it in the green bin. It's biodegradable. So <laughs> let's hope that all the multinational companies would follow suit from you know this and L'Oreal. Yeah. This, this is yeah. such a big step. Absolutely. But it's it's very interesting because a lot of people look at beauty and when they talk about sustainability, everyone always talks about the packaging, which is understandable because Mm -hmm. we produce billions of units of packaging, mostly plastic, most of which is not recycled every single year. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to look at packaging and think that's where the problem is, but that's not the only part of the story because you have to look at your product from its whole life cycle, from its cradle to its grave and look at how the ingredients are sourced how the supply chain is managed, the energy footprints, the water footprints, and look at the whole process in terms of shipping and manufacturing and how the consumers dispose of it and and everything that's involved from start to finish. And only then can you start to build up a picture, a complete picture of the environmental footprint of your organization and of your products. Do you see the beauty brand ever becoming carbon neutral? I think it's 
possible. I think it's going to be a struggle for a lot of indie beauty brands and a lot of mainstream beauty brands as well. Because first of all, there are two ways of achieving carbon neutrality. You can, or climate neutrality, I should say, because carbon isn't the only greenhouse gas you're trying to reduce. Yeah. um, You can either change your own internal processes to produce less greenhouse gas emissions, or you can offset. And a lot of brands so far who've claimed that they've made carbon neutral moisturizers or products have mainly just paid companies to offset their emissions. And that's good, but it's not a panacea because you're not taking care of the issue at the root cause. So do I think a beauty brand could be carbon neutral? Possibly, but it will have to really rethink its ingredients, its manufacturing, its shipping, its entire ethos in -hmm. terms of what it's selling and how it's selling it. Because, of course, it is possible to, for instance, grow algae for use in cosmetics. And those Mm -hmm. algae may well sequester carbon, which could be great. But these are not necessarily things that are thought about at the start of when you're creating a new product. Because the overriding rationale of the business might not be, I want to be climate neutral. So I think it's possible, but I think it's going to be very, very hard. To be honest, I would like to see the beauty industry, first of all, start to embrace this low consumption beauty yeah, um, because I think that goes hand in hand with dealing with carbon um, carbon emissions and yeah, doing the right thing in terms of climate change. Yeah, but I I do like what you said about the packaging as well because it's, you really don't when you look at it, we really don't need that packaging. I mean, the packaging is very attractive, but you can also place a product on a shelf, beautiful that's biodegradable without the packaging, so you actually have less to throw out and pile up the the carbon footprints yeah so absolutely and a company that's doing this really well at the moment is lush and you go into their store now and Mm -hmm. they're really starting to embrace this this well it's not zero waste because nothing no consumer product is ever zero waste but they even have um this japanese art of wrapping products in uh in cloth and material so you don't get paper you don't get additional plastic so they're really doing their best and And I want to see brands do more of that and stand up and say, you know, I'm not exactly where I want to be yet, but I'm working really hard at it. And this is my plan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this has been something that's been going on for years. I mean, century, decades, I would say. I mean, I was raised in the Caribbean growing up in this ultra, like, green environment. And my mom, and I remember going to the the store and they would wrap the stuff. We would buy, like, the soaps and whatever and they would wrap it in paper for us, brown um, disposal, um, biodegradable paper. And now, I mean, this is, it's like going back to the olden days somehow. Yeah. And yeah. COVID has made us like more, bring us back down to earth. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I really hope that we come out of this lockdown trying yeah. to create a newer, greener society. And I think most people want that. But in order to achieve that, you have to elect the people who also want to do that. And I have to say, certain parts of the world haven't been so successful at that yet. (laughs) So we need to to, um, choose better leaders, I would say. And I'm going slightly off-piste here with my my political rants. It's not been great for all of us. And I think if we want to come out of this doing the right thing by the environment, we really have to make better choices. Yeah, certainly. And and Beauty Miles, I, I know you explore this topic in one of your podcasts as well. With COVID, you know, we are not flying out. We can't bring in source ingredients from abroad because of the transportation issues. So do you think staying local, I mean, 
explore the, what you have in, in your own country. There's so many beautiful herbs to really look into and, you know, these botanicals that we can, it's right in front of our, in our homeland. Yeah. I think that's something that we, we need some more encouragement and um, exposure to. Yeah. I think so. I think people often think they have to go exotic when they're formulating cosmetics, but nothing yeah. could be further from the truth. You know, if I go out into my, my garden, I will find 20 different skincare herbs in, in my lawn. I say it's a lawn, <laughs> it's more like an overgrown meadow, to be honest, because we, we don't really mow that much. There, there is a wealth of, of different cosmetic herbs out there in every single country. And I encourage people to go and get to know the plants around them. Because it's so exciting when you start to look into it. And virtually every single plant has evolved some kind of antioxidant defense system because it helps protect the plant. And it's those antioxidants that can be used in, in your cosmetics. The only word of caution I would put in there is that we have to make sure that our plants that we use are sustainably harvested and sustainably grown. And it's very easy to think I'm going to start wild harvesting, but you then have to make sure that you effectively replenish those stocks in the years to come. Yeah, I encourage everyone to get to know the plants around them because there are so many awesome and just amazing plants out there that we can use for our skincare and hair care. My formulations, I'm very excited about So, I mean, it's very difficult right now as a formulator as well to bring in the ingredients from abroad. So I just look locally. There are so many things that you can make out of what you have. Going forward, what are some of the struggles you've had you know, to get the green beauty message out there. Apart from when I at you and said that, oh, you know, this is not going to work or and now you're at 10,000. What are some of the other struggles you have had? Um, in terms of getting the green beauty message out there, I think the main yeah. struggle is getting people to take us seriously because there has been very much this attitude of natural isn't serious. It's not scientific. Yeah. It hasn't been made in a lab by people wearing white coats. Therefore, it can't work. And yeah. I think that's been a struggle that I wouldn't have been able to fight by myself. To be fair, the, the hearts and minds in the industry are changing because of consumer attitudes. And yeah. a lot of that has happened through social media. Now, saying that, the other battle we will continue to fight is the battle of pseudoscience. I don't like it. I don't support it. I don't think it's something mm -hmm. we should use. But unfortunately, with the the rise of social media and the internet really taking over, some of these messages are just, they spread like wildfire. Even yesterday, I was reading an article that's where someone said, you know, 60% of everything you put on your skin is absorbed into the bloodstream. And that's just not true. That's, <laughs> I laugh at that. Yeah, I hear it all the time too. Yeah, these statistics get out there and then they're just, they're, like I said, they spread like wildfire. So we're fighting, we're fighting battles on all sides. But I think as long as we focus on the positives of green beauty and talk to people about sustainability and just try and educate by through positivity, that yes. has been a, a winning, a winning recipe for us, a winning formula. And we will continue to do that because I think you win over more people by being positive and, and showing them how they can change their lives through what you do. Yeah, certainly positivity all the way. So I have a question from a listener and who happens to be my son. He's 15 years old and he submitted a question. He's very interested. He, he wants to become an entrepreneur and he's very interested in the organic. I think he will join your school one day. <laughs> so he said, he asked his question, who inspired you to start your business? How has working 
on or with your business, with the business, change your life? And he goes on to ask, which goals are you hoping to achieve in the future? Okay, those are great questions. Thank you very much for them. Um, his, the- name is Zach- his name is Zachary Valkley. Excellent. Well, thank you, Zachary. Those are great questions. I'd say the person or the persons who have inspired me the most to start my own business were my parents because I watched them uh, start their own business when I was eight years old. I used to send faxes for my father from the spare room on the fax machine we got in 1987. (laughs) And I watched them create a business from scratch and sell it successfully when I was at university. And I uh, I think my mother was 50 when she retired. And I think that is just awesome. Sorry, what was the next part of the question? Next part is what are your goals for the future? Right. My goals for the future are to work slightly less and to spend more time with my kids. <laughs> Building Formula Botanica to where it is today has been an enormous undertaking. And I have worked exceptionally hard. And I know that there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who talk about, you know, the four hour work week and yeah, yeah. I, I outsource and delegate everything. But I have to admit that that has not been a reality for me. I have worked 60 to 80 hours a week for most weeks over the last two years. And that has got to to stop. So that's obviously why I'm scaling, why I'm bringing in more people and why I'm trying to delegate a lot more. So my goals are very much to to step back a bit, actually, and to be able to to write more and produce more content and do more public speaking and do more podcasting, Mm -hmm. which are the things that I love doing the most. So yeah, that's where I hope to go. And in terms of goals for Formula Botanica, you know, as I said earlier, we're only scratching the surface at the moment. This could be enormous. And I want it to be enormous because it's so exciting. So I will continue to push and push in order for us to get there and, and hope that my team can start to you know, take on more as well from me and, and push alongside me. So watch this space. Well, yes, yeah, certainly. <laughs> it's a very interesting space. And I'm so, wow, I'm so impressed. So I got one more question for you. And this is coming from New Jersey. She, her name is Debbie Mohamed Spigner. She's an academia and professor. How do we empower women to make good beauty decisions for themselves and for the environmental challenges that the world is facing? Wow, it's a big question. So how do we empower yeah. women to make better beauty choices, good beauty choices for themselves? First of all, I think when you buy your beauty products, don't necessarily feel that you have to follow exactly what the media is telling you or what society is telling you. Mm -hmm. For instance, I think you should buy beauty products based on a feeling of well-being rather than on a, a a feeling of needing to look a certain way. I think start to embrace the indie beauty artisans in your community. They need your help and support. They need, they deserve to be lifted up because they're doing fantastic work. Get to know them go out and support them and go and buy from them. I guarantee you, you will make someone's day if you go and buy from them. You're not going to change anyone's life if you go and buy from Johnson & Johnson or Unilever <laughs> or any of the big guys, but you will make someone's day if you go and buy from a small indie beauty artisan. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is, you know, start to, to find out more about the positives and the benefits of some of the ingredients in your formulations that you use every day. Don't get too hung up about the negatives, focus more on the positives and then start to seek out products that contain those ingredients that you think sound so exciting. And I guarantee you, you won't look back. It's an exciting journey and I wish you all the best with it. 
Yeah, fantastic. Oh, great. Thanks for answering those two questions. I'm sure they will be very happy to receive that response from you. So how can someone, we are just wrapping up, rewinding on our conversation. Uh, how can someone enroll on your, uh, your online trainings? Well, so we teach online courses in organic skincare and hair care formulation and also indie beauty business management. And we open up enrollment uh, twice a year. And then we also sell a big package of courses called our International Organic Skincare Entrepreneur Program twice a year. But if you don't want to wait for that, we have a free course on our website. So if you come over to formulabotanica.com, there is a big button on the front page and on pretty much every page that says free course. So come and sign up there. And I would also encourage you to come and follow us on Instagram at Formula Botanica and come and follow me too at Lorraine Dalmayer because I'm talking about sustainability, sustainable business, sustainable beauty, and what it means to run a global multinational um, online. So I look forward to connecting with you more. Great. Thank you so much, Lorraine. This has been an amazing conversation with you. Learn a lot. And I'm sure our audience, they got a good insight in the green beauty in industry and also the indie beauty brands. So it was a real pleasure and honor to have you with at our pristine conversations. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Most welcome. Thank you for joining us on Pristine Conversations with me, Zelina. If you enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and why not follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Rich Woman Magazine. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, do so on Twitter at Zelina Valkley One. Thank you to our guest and our sponsor. I hope you've enjoyed the show and look forward to welcoming you back next week for another pristine conversation.